Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're going to start a series tonight on healing. Now, this is extremely important. It's extremely important that you listen tonight because I'm going to be laying some foundational stuff tonight. It's going to be deep. This isn't surface-level Christianity, okay? This is deep stuff. This is stuff that normally most places don't teach, especially on the weekend when you have a lot of newcomers, a lot of people that, that are not even saved yet. This is stuff that's normally taught in specialized seminars or Bible school, things of this nature. However, I have watched over the past five to six months a rash of diseases, abnormalities, people uh, having reoccurring things that they had gotten healed from in the past starting to come back on them. And so I thought it was very necessary right now for us to teach on healing, okay? Because healing in the early church was a big deal. Healing in the Gospels is a big deal. You can't really see much of Jesus doing anything other than healing. He healed, he, excuse me, he taught, he preached, he healed. There's the three components of Jesus' ministry. One-third of Jesus' ministry was spent on healing. And really, if you really want to think about it, it's really more than that. It's probably more than, more than half, but the teaching and the preaching served to prepare the person to receive the healing. All right? Now, What I'm going to want you to do, especially if you're coming here because you are suffering with something in your body, and, and at one point in our lives, every individual is going to be challenged at some point to some extent in their physical body. Why? Because our spirit is connected to God Almighty if we're born again, yes? Our spirit has the Holy Spirit living within us, yes or no? Okay. But our physical body is what we contact this earth realm with, okay? So our physical body is like a soldier behind enemy lines. We are still on a planet that is still under the curse of the fall, okay? Now, you say, well, I thought Jesus redeemed us. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of sin, okay? Jesus redeemed us from, from the curse of the law, Okay? But the planet has not yet been redeemed from the curse of the fall. The effect that the fall of Adam had and Eve had on this earth is still functioning. Satan is still the God, little g, of this world. So you and I, you know, we're believers and we're going to heaven and our spirit is saved and we're born again and we're filled with the Holy Ghost. We're still on a planet that is behind enemy lines. Okay? Are you catching this? So when you're behind enemy lines, sometimes you get caught in the crossfire. And so understand this. The closest the enemy can get to attacking God Almighty is attacking you. He can't get to him. So he'll get to your kids. When I was little, we lived in a, on, a, on a street in Elizabeth, New Jersey. I don't want to identify the street because some of you might have relatives that lived there then. On that block, there was a particular family that hated my mother and father. But they didn't have the guts 
to say anything to my parents or to attack my parents. So what they used to do was take it out on us, the kids, okay? Treat us nasty, uh, give us dirty looks, you know, whatever. You say stupid little things as you pass by in the house. Don't get your ball on, get, don't ride your bike, in the, uh, on, this bike on, this, on the sidewalk in front of my house. All those stupid things that, that people do when they're... So, so that's an illustration of how Satan is. He, can't, he doesn't have the guts and doesn't have the power and can't confront God Almighty. So he goes after his kids. Is that, does, is that helpful to find out? Since you and I are in a spiritual battle, okay? Now, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, the word of God in our mouth is how we overcome. And we have the capacity to overcome. Now, we're going we're gonna to be on this for weeks. Now, what I want you to do is to see yourself as an individual who is presenting yourself coming here on Wednesday nights to get this information, not only for yourself, but there's not one of us in this room, not one person that's going to be listening to this recording that does not have somebody in our life, somebody very close, that are suffering with some type of a just serious disease, serious condition. Some have been uh, chronic for years and years and years. And so I believe that we can, if we apply ourselves... If we press in, if we're diligent about studying these this materials, we can become the help that those people need. Amen. Remember, Jesus, when he was on the earth, in the Gospels, we see that he went about doing good, healing all who were pressed to the enemy because God was with him. But Jesus is not on the earth anymore, is he? No. His spirit is here. And his spirit indwells who? Us. So we saw that at some point in Jesus' ministry, this is all foundation, all foundation, right? This is all the appetizer, all right? We see that at point, there was a point in the Gospels where Jesus, after he had demonstrated for his disciples how to distribute, to minister, to deliver healing, he allowed them to participate too. Remember, he sent them out two by two, gave them instructions. Then when he leaves the earth, one of the very last things he says before he ascends to heaven is to go and cast out devils in my name, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, that healing ministry of Jesus has been given now to the church. Now, there was a time in the early church where the church operated very strongly that way. There had been remnants all throughout history, but there was, for the most part, kind of a uh, 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 the importance diminished, the emphasis diminished. But then, about 100, 120 years ago, now that sounds like a long time to us, but in the scope of things, we started to see the healing ministry of the Holy Spirit reappear in the church. When people back in the late 1800s started to read their Bibles and say, how come we're not seeing this stuff in the book of Acts happen in our everyday church services? And they started to become hungry for that and started to become desperate for that and started to be dissatisfied with just the same old, same old, same old. And groups of people all over the United States and, and in particular all over the world started gathering in the late 1800s and started praying and praying and praying, and praying, and then God sent a second Pentecost. 
And the power of the Holy Spirit began to sweep through groups of pockets of individuals, especially here in the United States, especially in Southern California. In the Welsh revival in England, in revivals in South America, this power of God, and there's no coincidence that wherever you see revival of the power of the Holy Spirit, you see revival of healing. They work hand in hand, hand in hand. The world needs a revival of healing right now. Physical healings, because there's diseases that, that, that doctors don't even know what to do with anymore. The church, especially, needs a revival of healing because we've got to get busy getting people born again. We've got to get busy reaching communities. We've got to get busy reaching nations. We've got to get busy. Why? Jesus is coming back. Some of you go, no, Jesus is coming back. And it's a very good indication it could happen in our lifetime. Very good indication. In fact, the world has never been more prepared than it is now for Jesus' second return. Okay? So all these things are tied together. But listen, church is not supposed to be a regular occurrence that you come and you sit down and everything is normal and everything is... It's not, it's not supposed to be that way. In fact, I'm starting a, a, a two-part series this coming Sunday talking about we are the church. The church is supposed to be a supernatural experience. It has nothing to do with buildings. It has nothing to do with parking lots. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. Church is supposed to be a supernatural experience. You're supposed to come in here and go, this is different. In fact, I've been in church services where I walk, especially my, until my early years now, early years, where I walk in and go, I'm scared. I sense something, I don't know what it is, it's very different, I'm not used to this, I don't know what it is, of course, I'm not, I wasn't going to tell everybody, but I'm like, there's something in this room. When people came around Jesus, they said, there's something different about this guy. I'm getting like, you know, they would say to each other, I'm like, do you feel what I feel? Because this is the anointed one in their presence. In their presence. And they said, when he speaks, we never heard anybody speak with this kind of authority. They said, what, what, what is this? They, they tried to attribute the miracles that he was doing to the devil because they had grown so cold in their religion that just the very idea that something supernatural take place, oh, it can't be God, it's got to be the devil. Are you listening to me? And so when I would experience stuff like that when I'd go to church services, I would be like, I want to run out of here, but I know in my heart this is real and this is God. Now, I'm not a proponent of the weird, but I am a proponent of the genuine. The genuine. And let me tell you something. We're going to cover a lot of word, a lot of scripture. Why? Number one, the entrance of his word brings light. Number two, the power of God is administered through the word. Romans chapter 1, verse 15. Number three, what you preach is what manifests. When you preach salvation, 
salvation manifests. When you preach the word on healing, healing manifests. If I was preaching the word on prosperity, prosperity would manifest. If I was preaching the word on peace, peace would manifest. Okay? Now, I said all that to say this. Tonight at the end of the service, unless we receive a supernatural word from God, I don't want anybody coming up for prayer, for healing. Not yet. Not yet. And and my reason is this. Our society is too used to. When was the last time anybody made a waffle from scratch? Let me see your hands. Coming to your house for breakfast, brother. What do we normally do now? Our kids don't even know that you can make them from scratch. No, what, what do you, well, pop up, just the boxes in the freezer, pull them out, put them in the toaster, in about two minutes, got waffles. We want, if you go to the drive-in window at McDonald's or Taco Bell, or I don't know how you can eat that garbage, when these, if the meal is not in your front seat in three minutes so that you could be shoving french fries in your mouth, we panic. Yes or no? The word of God does not work that way. Because here's, here's what I've seen over the years and here's what I've been taught over the years. When somebody gets their healing that quickly, they're in danger of losing it that quickly. But when the word of God becomes settled in your heart, so that when symptoms try to come back and you go, oh no, 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 no. I know that by his stripes, I am healed. The word has got to become your anchor. The word has got to become your foundation. Now, let me jump in. Most of the time, when a person does not receive their healing, they do not receive their healing because of one predominant mindset that's being entertained. We know that God is almighty, yes? That nothing's impossible for him. But the enemy convinces us, oh no, he can do it. And he has done it. The enemy knows he's done it. He's not going to lie as, as far as something that's so obvious and that can't be contradicted. But this is the lie that will come, and this is why most people do not receive their healing. The ones that don't receive their healing, you shouldn't receive their healing for this reason. They don't believe it's God's will for them. And usually the source of that, and this is, I'm just throwing stuff out here. We're going to be covering more in depth. Usually the source of that mindset is that the enemy continuously reminds you of your, your flaws, your character issues, sin from the past, sin in the present, And so it undermines your ability to be able to receive, not because he's not able, but because you're not worthy. And it's even to the point where, and I know know probably every one of us in here have had this thought just come to our mind. Oh, he did it for so-and-so, but you know, they're so much a better person than you are. But for you? Or this one. 
Well, yeah, yeah. No, the Bible's, the Bible's true. Jesus did heal. Watch this. Back then, but he doesn't do that stuff anymore. It's not his will for you to be healed now. Or God's trying to teach you something. Well, and, and let me just warn you, these are all stuff that make me crazy. Okay? If God was going to use sickness to teach you a lesson, then it was unjust when he took that same sickness and put it on Jesus. Because Jesus didn't have any lessons to learn. Are you catching this? Now, Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, 24, both evidence that sickness, in addition to our sin, was placed on Jesus at the crucifixion. In fact, there's three different places. We'll talk about it in a few minutes if we get to that tonight. There is no doubt whatsoever that the Bible teaches, and I'm going to prove this to you through Scripture. Remember, the Bible says through the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every fact be established, right? There's way more than two or three. But we're just going to start going through some of them tonight, okay? It is God's will for you to be healed. Even without going into Scripture yet, I want you to consider this. And I know, I know many of you know this stuff, but we're going to start foundational, okay? Let me ask you this question. Was there any sickness in the garden? Was there any disease in the garden? No. I'm talking about before sin came in. No. God's prototype, God's model house, model home, was the Garden of Eden. If it was his intention for that to be part of the human experience, then we would have had evidence of it in the original creation. We do not. We do not. You got this? Now, here's, here's another problem that comes in. We live in America. And as, as, as much as we hear isolated horror stories here, person died because they didn't have any insurance and the person died because they couldn't afford their medication, for the most part, the way, way bigger majority of individuals have medical attention available to them on a regular basis. And so in the back of our minds, we're like, I'll just go get checked up from the doctor. Now, I'm not saying don't go to the doctors. What I'm saying is because we have that to rely on, it doesn't cause us to become desperate in our, in our, in our attempt to receive our healing. But when you go to third world nations where they don't have, you got one doctor for every 50,000 people, you either learn how to trust God or you die. When you're in a position like that, you start learning your Bible. You start memorizing scriptures. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm assuming that you're here tonight because this subject is close to your heart and that you need to learn this. I, I hope that's the case. But if some of you came here tonight not knowing what I was teaching, I pray to God that you're not sitting there going, well, I really don't have anything going on in my life. I really don't need this. But what about the people that are around you? How selfish can we be? All right, let's jump in. 
Again, just going to kind of reiterate, repeat some things here. We live on a planet that's still under the effect of sin. God knowing this and God being love made very specific promises to his children while we are still living here in these flesh and blood and bone bodies. Now, I want to read you an excerpt from a teaching by the gentleman who was the founder of the Bible school that I graduated from, my wife graduated from, Pastor Cap, Pastor Pam, most of our leadership here. Kenneth E. Hagan. Here's what he had to say on this topic. Scripture reveals the nature of God to us. It also reveals the attitude of God towards sin, towards sickness and disease. God's nature has not changed through the ages. Neither has his attitude changed towards sin, sickness, and disease. You need to know this to understand divine healing, and that's what we're talking about. Jesus is our healer. In fact, the first principle you should know about divine healing, it is God's will to heal you because, watch this now, this is one thing that most Christians never get a hold of, because healing is in his redemptive plan. There is no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to this, but let me just, there is no salvation from God that does not also include repairing the damage that sin did to mankind. That's across the board. That is spirit, soul, and body. There is no salvation. In other words, God did not present a plan for us to just go to heaven, but allow us to just live like hell on earth. God's redemption plan, redemption, is more than just salvation. Redemption means when you redeem something, you're buying back what the original condition was. Are you getting this? So if the original sin that came on the earth caused not just physical death, but spiritual death, soulish death, death in our emotions, damage in our emotions, physical attacks on our body, Remember, as soon as sin hit the, hit the earth, as soon as sin hit Eden, the Garden of Eden, what shows up? What's the very first thing that shows up on the scene? Fear. We were afraid. We hit ourselves. Okay, you've heard me teach this before. What's the next thing that shows up? Man's feeling of intimidation in the presence of God. You, you, are you getting this? He's afraid to come into the presence of God. What's the next thing that shows up in the natural that you could have seen, you could have handled? In fact, it would have made you sneeze. What is the very first thing that showed up after that? Allergies. Why? Weeds did not exist before that. And the Bible tells us, thorns and thistles. Weeds. Ragweed. When we get to heaven, I'm going to get a piece of that ragweed. If, well, if we could take something and go to Adam and go, this is your fault. <laughs> How would you like it if I shove it in your face? Are you catching this? This is, this is real. This is, this is real. This is what happened. This, was, this stuff was germs and bacteria, these things of this nature. These diseases. 
We're mutations because of sin. The animal kingdom got affected. Their nature changed. So, Paul says that Jesus, the second Adam, came to repair and restore what was damaged by the first Adam. Yes or no? Okay, go read the letters to the Church of Corinth. So, it wasn't just our ability to live forever that was affected when sin was received and allowed to come into the garden. It was our souls, our physical bodies, nature itself. So then, if God says, I am your redeemer, but it only applies to when we die and where we spend eternity, then he's not our redeemer completely. Yes or no? I'm trying different ways to get this across so that we can understand it. That being saved, experiencing salvation, is a whole lot more than just not going to hell. If it was just not going to hell, then where is the almighty power of God to redeem and restore this earth that he created specifically for his man and woman? Does he not care about these things? Of course he does. Did not Jesus affect nature when he was here on the earth? Have there not been stories of Jesus' disciples and the generations of disciples all the way down to this day who prayed and had faith and received miracles and changed the course of nature? Of course there has been all throughout the ages. Now, the completion will come when Jesus returns to stay and sets up his throne in Jerusalem and from Jerusalem rules and reigns over the earth the earth then gets restored. And so roses won't have thorns anymore in that age. Allergies won't affect us anymore. Nature will not be contrary to us. Cancer cells that are just regular human cells in rebellion against its own body, which is the entire character of Satan, will not affect human bodies any longer. Our teeth won't rot. Our eyes won't grow dim. Our hair won't fall out. <laughs> Are you getting this? Yes. But pastor, if we belong to God, why then are we still subject to these things? I don't know 100% how to explain it. Because I've seen things that didn't make any sense. I've watched people who have been faithful to God all of their lives, devoted to Jesus, die from disease, and I've seen others who live like the devil get healed. I can't explain it, but I think it has something to do with transition. And this isn't just a pat answer to kind of pacify those things. I have questions just like you do. But you see throughout the Bible that when the people of God were in transition from one dispensation or time period to another, 
you see different things blending. You see some of the next season and some of the old season blending together. Israel comes out of Egypt and is heading towards the promised land. And we see glimpses of God's supernatural power. I don't know why I even put notes together tonight. You see glimpses of God's supernatural power and supernatural provision, but then you also see parts of their old nature blending in. They're not 100%. In other words, their bodies left Egypt, but their minds, their souls still stayed there. And so you see a mixture, okay? When the early church started, the Gospels, the Gospels are really Old Testament. Oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. See, my Bible is, but the Gospels are my Bible. No, that's because man split it that way. But the Gospels, Jesus is still in the Gospels operating as a prophet, as a priest in the Old Testament. The New Testament does not start until Jesus is on the cross and says, it is finished, it's fulfilled. And you remember that curtain in the temple, symbolic of, you're not keeping me in this box anymore, was torn from top to bottom by the supernatural power of God. So, so you see the blend, and even in the early church, in the, even in some of Paul's letters and Peter's letters, you see a blend of Old Testament stuff together with revelation knowledge of the New Testament age. So you see a blending of two. Now, is it possible? Because healing belongs to us as children of God here. But healing is not of this realm. Are you catching this? Healing is not of this realm. Healing belongs to the realm of heaven. And that's why, watch this now, that's why it requires faith to get it from that realm to this realm. Because it, it's not, it, it doesn't belong here yet. It belongs here to us. But we are not citizens of this world. Our citizenship is where? In heaven. So because, catch this, an ambassador of a nation does not live according to the quality of the nation they're assigned to. They live according to the quality of the nation that sent them. We have an ambassador to the nation of Haiti. Haiti's one of the poorest nations in the world. Our ambassador does not live according to the quality of life of Haiti. You step onto U.S. diplomatic territory there, and you live there as if you live in the United States. That might sound cruel to you, might sound harsh to you. It's just diplomatic law. It's the way it is. They don't eat Haitian food. They eat food from the United States. They don't live in houses like the Haitian people do. They live in houses like people in the United States do. You say, well, that sounds so arrogant. It's not the, that's nothing to do with it. The fact of the matter is, an ambassador is only on assignment to that country. He is not a citizen of that country. He's not, the laws don't pertain to him. The customs don't pertain. Now, I'm sure that they try to act friendly and, and you know, kind of like endear themselves to the people of that country. But the fact of the matter is, they're not citizens of that nation. But that's where they live. That's where they've been assigned for years. But they're not citizens of that nation. 
So we're in transition, especially in the last days of the church age. We are in transition. We are getting glimpses of what goes on in heaven. We are experiencing some of the things that people in heaven experience, but not 100% yet. Now, this hit me today as I was meditating on all this. We don't need faith in heaven. And I, when it hit me, I went, am I getting flaky here? And then I realized, everything that we use our faith to obtain here is natural in heaven. It's natural. There's no sickness. There's no, there's no tears. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's none of this stuff. There's prosperity? Are you kidding me? They walk on gold. None of this stuff that you and I have to use our faith for here, we're going to have to use in heaven. It's just going to be, this is natural. It's natural. It's the way it is. It's like, think about some of those Star Trek and Star Wars movies. It's specifically like if a person, like I, I've been thinking of this one particular scene in one of the Star Wars movies, the person just dies. They die. But the next scene, they're in this tank. And within minutes, the person is, is just, they're back to normal. There's, there's no evidence of their their, their uh, uh, damage in their body or disease or anything else. Just, and, and you see, the people who walk around like very natural. Oh, yeah, we'll give them 15 minutes. He'll be back. Because right? it's natural in that world. Now, of course, that's entertainment. But where do you think these people get these ideas from? In that world to come, there's no kidney stones. There's no high blood pressure. There's no cancer. There's no deformities. There's no retina damage. There's, no, there's none of the things that you and I have to use our faith for here. Are we going to need to use faith there? It is just going to be normal. Normal. It's going to be very normal. It's going to be supernatural to us because we're not in a natural realm anymore. We're in a super natural realm. But in the meantime, while we're in this transition, we're not quite in heaven, but we're not part of the earth. Right? Because just because you're in this world doesn't mean you're of this world. So we're in that in-between. And in that in-between, God's given us a force of faith to take hold of that, which is not natural here. Take hold of it and bring it into this realm and experience it here. You got it? We've got seven minutes. You going to stick with me? Now, I want to repeat this. We, you need to know that this understand divine healing. In fact, the first principle fact you should know about divine healing, it is God's will to heal you because healing is in his redemptive plan. It's part of the plan. It's not something he tacked on later. It's part of the plan, Okay? We know that Jesus was made sin for us. You recognize that, right? Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I don't think I have it in there, but it says this. He who knew no sin, okay, became sin that we, and I'll add this in, a little quote, that new sin would become 
the righteousness of God in who? In Christ Jesus. It, said, it, said, it, did, it doesn't just say Jesus identified. Well, you know, yeah, we know Jesus identified himself with sin. No, no, Jesus couldn't die on the cross unless he became sin. He had to temporarily experience everything that you and I experience when we reject Christ. They couldn't, they, you recognize they couldn't kill him any other time they wanted to try to kill him. Couldn't kill him. Why, you can't kill somebody who's got no sin. There's no death on them. That's why at the cross, we see Jesus agonizing. Why? He's never experienced this before. The Holy One, the spotless Lamb of God, the blameless one, no blemish, no character flaws, never, never broke a law. And all of a sudden, whew, and what's his response? We, we can tell when it started to happen. My God, my God, why have you Wait a second. That's the same Jesus who stood in front of Lazarus' tomb and said, God, I thank you that you're with me always, that you always hear me. That was natural for Jesus. What was not natural for Jesus is sin. Because with all the sin came all the sickness. Isaiah 53. We're going to go in it. Are you catching this? Do you see how we've... we've hurt ourselves by just being satisfied with not going to hell. We've satisfied ourselves. So I, I, you know, uh, I had somebody say this to me. I don't remember who it is. If it's you and you're here today, please forgive me. I don't remember who you were. But it's somebody said, oh, I just remember who it was. <laughs> and I'm just going to turn around. And please do not get your feelings hurt when I say this. I had somebody come to me and say, if I could just get the pain reduced. Jesus didn't die on the cross for your pain to get reduced. Jesus died on the cross for your pain to be eliminated. You see what I'm talking about? And that's what we do as Christians. Well, you know, all right, so I suffer, I die, but I'm going to heaven. Jesus didn't go halfway. He went all the way. So that we can have not just the security of knowing that when I take my last breath, I'm going right to heaven. I'm going to be immediately in his presence. That's wonderful. But, but I'm still here. And he's assigned every one of us to go and make disciples of all nations, to go heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils, to open up blind eyes, to open up deaf ears, to get paralyzed people to jump up and walk. How are you going to do that when you're sick? So when we tolerate this kind of stuff, it's the same thing like God has commissioned the church to help the poor, yes? We have no problem with that one because it makes us feel so good. I bought a whole shopping cart full of groceries for somebody. I feel so good. But watch this now. How are you going to help somebody who's poor feed their family if you don't have anything? If you can't pay your bills, if you got your car being repaired, and I'm not looking down at anybody. I'm saying everything I've been through. Those of you that know our history, you know, we got wiped out of everything. 
back in the early 90s. Wiped out. And when you're raising four little kids at that time, that's a tough thing to go through. Back then, when bankruptcy wasn't fashionable. I know what I'm talking about. We've lived through this. We know what it's like to trust God for a quart of milk. Now, thank God he got us through. But that wasn't God's best for our life. Oh, oh, I, oh this is one of those prosperity churches. No, we're one of those poverty churches. We, we want people to become poor when they get here. What kind of demonic garbage is that? The devil loves poor churches. Why? Because they can't do it. They could just about get out of their own way, let alone helping somebody else. I don't turn my nose down. I'm not looking down at anybody because God is God to everybody that will believe him. God's promises are available to everyone who believes him. But listen to me. The best way that we can honor Jesus' experience on the cross, the suffering, the torment, the pain that he endured to purchase our healing is to receive that healing, to glorify him in that healing. And to, watch this now, and to bring that healing power to others who need it. This is important. This, and, and it's unfortunate because I've been saved now 34 years and I've seen the changes in the church culture. Well, now this is like, yeah, that's good, you know. No, no, this is a central component of the salvation plan of God. You cannot split it off and say, well, I'll take, I know, I'll take the salvation, but I don't know about that healing stuff. I'll take the salvation, but I don't know about that deliverance stuff. I'll take the salvation. You know, I'll, I'll take my free ticket not to go to hell, but I don't know about this prosperity stuff. It's all God's plan. You want to know why? Because it's not about you. It's about who he's going to reach through you. And he wants every obstacle in your life to get out of the way so that you are free to spend your time reaching out to those who don't know yet. It's not about you being able to buy the big houses. It's not about you being able to have five cars. It's not about you being able to go to three vacations a year. It's not about you walking around. There's no disease like the bionic man. It is about this. Jesus wants to get every obstacle out of your life so that you can dedicate your life to his service. Bottom line. Bottom line. Are you, are you hearing me? All right, you're going to come back next Wednesday? Because we're on this now. This is it. And I can tell from what I'm feeling on the inside, this is going to be some ride. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.